Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Para Podcast. Uh, it's another week with Morata Niakore in the centres, and you know what that means. Another week without our leader, Hamish, but we've still got the rest of the team on platoon. Boys, how's it going? Bertie? Yeah, I'm good, and you know, I'm starting to miss the boss, you know. It's like, it's okay when you, you know, screw up on one shift, you know, at work. It's not fun after four weeks out, you know, it gets a bit boring, you know. I need a bit of stability and... You know, someone cracking the whips in my life, you know? Or maybe maybe it's Ryan Madison being out that has like coincided with Hamish being, you know, away from the podcast. And now that Maddo's Maddo's almost back, maybe Hamish will be back next week. What do you reckon? Is yeah? Hamish Ryan Madison? Oh. Oh. I mean, yeah. I mean like, after the last after the weekend oh result, you know, breaking two new I wouldn't I would be in my for that two weeks, you know. Yeah, and speaking of breaking the video boys, let's get right into it. Yeah, they had it. I got the full 15 years, not going into 15 years. Uh, way, way, way back um, was the last time the Parramatta Eels won in Canberra. And on Saturday night, they put that one to bed in emphatic fashion with a 35 to 10 victory over Ricky's Raiders. Uh, for the Eels, as I Papali'i scored a very impressive double alongside Mike Acevo, Sean Lane, Reed Money, and Quinton Gufferson. Uh, Mitch Moses, five from six off the kicking tee, and a Sean Timmons esque field goal uh, to rub the salt into the wound. For the Raiders, Jordan Rappiner and George Williams scored. Jared Croker, just the one conversion from the two attempts. Yeah, this one was a good one, boys. It's sort of the perfect bounce back game from the first loss of the season in round, uh, round five against the Dragons. Well, I just think it shows like. You know, there was probably a bit of doom and gloom talk about uh, Parramatta, like, oh, we're just making up the numbers now and, you know, get rid of this get rid of this player, get rid of that player. But I think, yeah, we did have the drop in, in, in intensity against the Dragons, but I think this game and the Storm game and the second half of the Broncos game have shown that when we need to, we can lift the intensity. And um, even teams with probably the best or second best forward pack in the competition in the Raiders uh, can't match us either. And and as much as we we did and you can nitpick those wins over the uh, the Sharks, the Tigers, and the Broncos, as well as the loss against the Dragons, it's round six, and the Eels have already lodged two signature victories over two Premiership heavyweights. Yeah, and you know I I don't I think um even if you go back to 1986, we didn't even beat the uh, the Raiders. So yeah, it's <laughs> it's a big it's always a big win beating Canberra down in Canberra. Um, I think maybe I wonder if a bit, you know, we usually play them in June, July, August. I wonder if earlier in the year sort of helped us with that because it wasn't well, as cold. We, there, we got them in 2019, was it? About round five and they pants this 19 nil. So yeah, this was a similar, similar timing, but we managed to completely one up them. Bertie, what was your big takeaway out of the 25 point win, mate? Um, just um, Murata's running game. Like I know I don't, I don't want to sound biased again, but just a little bit biased. Like, it's like it, it was no sidestep, no, no yeah. it was just straight hard and running. Downhill, down throwing yeah. himself into a set defensive line early in the set, getting the eels out of danger. Oh, yeah. Uh, and yeah. even like Mitchell Moses' kicking game, like you can tell, like we, we, you know, we talk a lot of shit about his kicking game. He just bombs it for the sake of it, but he had a pinpoint. He knew what he was doing and, you know, paid off with the first set, but just them two. Like I didn't, I didn't give Mitch Moses, you know, the three Daly M points, but I just. Who did you give the two. three Daly M points to? So okay, I went Papali'i for three. Okay, so if you want to have a Josh Papali'i and make him the sub Papali'i. I'm saying Papali'i too much. You deserve three points. Two, I gave 
um, Murata, I think. Who is it? Two I gave Murata. <laughs> you didn't even get two points. So, so it's two to Lane. I thought this was Lane's best game. Besides that drop ball, he was perfect and won the Murata. And like, I know it's a bit like stiff on Mitch Moses, but you know we expect that from Moses each week. And I was surprised genuinely by Papa Lane mainly. That's why. and I'm gonna give Murata one because I'm you know I'm biased, so <laughs> deal with it. <laughs> but yeah, I thought as I said, Lane. You know, besides that one error, and it's not even his fault. Like he didn't. He he was like I backing mean, up. He was running hard. Like I mean, it was game. it was pretty much his fault. Junior put that on a on a platter for him. Yeah, that was right oh. on his chest. It was a beautiful. <laughs> that that was some of the best ball playing you'll ever see, especially from a big man. He sold that block pass out to Will Smith beautifully. Um, but you you actually raised a number of great talking points there, Bertie. Uh, we'll start with Mitchell Moses. Um, he played a game that Cooper Cronk has sort of uh, gone record as saying should be the benchmark for him moving forwards. And there's been a few games where Mitch has played, you know, a benchmark game, but that kicking game on Saturday night was insane. Uh, the kicks that he did from halfway at, at Brandy Alexander uh, gushing because that combination of distance, hang time, and and location, like falling outside the try line consistently by about three meters, I don't think I've ever seen that with as much consistency throughout the course of one game as I did on Saturday night. Yeah, I, um, I suppose we've we've seen sort of glimpses of this from. Um uh, Mitchell in games, but you know, I've, I think it started off with the first kick of the game from yeah, there. the Jordan Rappiner error that came off it. Yeah, like we saw it in the round two game against the Storm as well. But Mitchell's actually added that little bit to his long distance kicking game where, um, even if the back three are set in their position, he just seems to be able to get it just behind them and they have to sort of jog back five or ten meters. They still catch it on the full, but it's yeah, they're not running on suboptimal positioning exactly, they're not getting a full head of steam. On the kick return. Yeah. Sorry, Ham, I, I cut into you there. No, all good. Okay. <laughs> but um, it, it went beyond just the kicking for Mitchell. Um, he was heavily involved in a game where we needed him to be heavily involved with no Dylan Brown, who copped that ridiculous crusher suspension. Uh, and, you know, we, we sort of spoke about, or it was, it was spoken and written about uh, on different platforms that, you know, Mitch would need to take up greater responsibility. And he did that. Heavily involved throughout the game. Featured multiple times in uh, what will go down as one of the tries of the year. And as I said earlier uh, on, on TCT and in our Discord, it, it reminded me very heavily of that 2009 try against the Tigers that Flody Mateo started in an almost similar position on the field on the left edge, where he pulled that double pump offload that then resulted in, uh, was it Jeff Robson scoring? I'm just trying yes. to, yeah, yeah, Jeff Robson scoring so, um, to the right of the posts. And, you know, we, we saw Sean Lane score there with Mitchell Moses popping up everywhere. And it was just beautiful. But yeah, I really like Mitch's involvement. And and why I say that is because it would have been so easy to overplay his hand in a game where you need to take on greater responsibility. And instead, he still took up more playmaker responsibilities, but also deferred to Reed Marnie and Quinton Gufferson when necessary. I mean, you can tell, you can tell like, so in previous weeks, we'd, we'd go too wide too quickly. Mm-hmm. And we made a point to not, not so much hit the centers, but hit the edges Every time of short balls, yeah. you know, Canberra liked to rush in, and we targeted Hudson Young. We made him look second rated, you know. I'm, I was waiting for we, him to get. We did, yeah. Hudson practice. Young has been on fire this year, one of the best back rolls in the comp, and we definitely put in the task. Yeah, because like this, uh, it, I thought it was, after the lane pass, I thought maybe it was just a one-off Junior's decision, but they start, you know, forcing it to Papali a lot, and I'm like, maybe they are because you know a lot of teams they like to rush in on us, especially on the the halves from the from the opposition. So maybe it was just. A tactic for this week, but it seemed to work really well, you know. So, you know, we oscillated the edges, um, Hudson and uh, Elliot. Is it Elliot Whitehead? Yeah. Yeah. And and Elliot Whitehead did have to eventually shift the center with the Bailey Simonson injury, but he did play the majority of that game in the back row. 
Speaking of Isaiah Papali'i, Bertie, you already gave him a rap and you brought him up again. He continues to be the buy of the season, not just one of the buys of the season. He has been sensational. Uh, playing on the edge once again in relief of Ryan Madison as he continues to recover from that concussion. You mentioned he already, he ran over Josh Papali'i, which is one of the most impressive physical feats you can achieve in the NRL because not only do you break a tackle, he actually bulldozed, speed bumped, trucked him, and, and, he, and he left him. And it, it was one of the most iconic images of the season, I feel like, that reverse camera angle from the end goals where you see him get absolutely flattened. He bumps off the ground and immediately he just smashes his fist, upset himself that it happened as Isaiah as crashes over. And then he backs that up with another fantastic try where, uh, was it Quinton Gufferson? That fed him a, a really well, uh, well-timed well uh, little overs ball. And he, well, uh, actually, I th- when you watch that ball, it's meant for Opicic. Yeah, yeah. That, that was the one. I was, I was watching, like I said, I wasn't sure if uh, if it was a kind of ball initially. And and you sort of you look at it, and I'm still not 100% certain it wasn't just like a hard thrown overs ball, but it, maybe it was just a 50-50 ball. <laughs> but no, even- I'm, the way the ball travels and the way Papa catches it, I'm I'm – Hundred percent certain. So it's an impressive set of hands from from Isaiah. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, trucked to Caleb Aikens and that as he showed some um very good. And we've you've mentioned the hammer a lot, uh, but that that sort of little sub skill ability to quickly switch hands for your possession, transfer the ball from right to left to get that right arm free for the fend. He does that against uh, uh Caleb Aikens. Yeah, it was Caleb Aikens. The the other ref is a different Aikens. Sorry, and uh, gets over for his second. And, you know, he finished the night with uh, 156 metres from 17 carries and a whole stack of tackles and tackle busts. Uh, absolutely sensational. And he's a player that when Ryan Madison does come back, Brad Arthur has a very interesting uh, problem to how he is going to deploy Papali'i. Does he hold well, down the other starting edge spot? Does he drop back into the middle rotation? I mean, if you go back to the round one game there where he played off the bench, played 50 minutes, he made over 200 metres. So... um you know, sort of like, do you put him on the edge and that, or you put him in the middle where I think most people can uh, see that he's sort of more suited to now. And, you know, if he's, if that's going to be out on the edge, 150 on the bench, 200. You know, sort of, sort what, of, what a pleasant problem to have. Yeah, Just, exactly. And then, like, you know, not only that, but sort of when Wanga Blake comes back, you've got Murata, and then all of a sudden you've got Murata and Papali'i coming off the bench for Parramatta in the middle. Jeez, yeah, we not even uh, as we mean. We haven't even reached our final form yet, so right. we're, we're getting there. Though I think um, there's some good news with, uh, or not good news, but we finally got some clarity on Wanga Blake, which we'll get to in the new section. Uh, but going look going across that team from Saturday night, uh, Quentin Garfus and Reed Marnie both excellent as always. Um, they also stepped up in the absence of Dylan Brown. Uh, Reed definitely outplayed Josh Hodgson and, and continues to be the form ra- um, rake or dummy half of the competition through six rounds. And for Guffo, you know, we sort of said that he had a rough game against the Dragons, and that was probably reflective of how the team performed. And he, he just bounced back with a casual free line break assist and two try assists. You know, just Guffo things. Yeah, he doesn't stay down for long, does he? No. That's why he's the king. Exactly. Exactly. Well, we said it last week. Like, oh, well, I said it last week. I see um, him being the second half out there, and Will Smith can just be sitting in the back and, like, chooses his moments because, you know, when, when Brown went down last year, you know, Guffo stepped up, so, like, I wasn't too much too surprised of it. I was just expecting. Actually, I was surprised in terms of he didn't kick as much because when he when he replaced Brown last year, as in terms of the second half, he he was a bit kick happy. So it was good mm-hmm. to see that. But G man, speaking of kick happy, I, I honestly I'm convinced that the crowd or it was 
the the players didn't hear the referee because how many the, times the referee the was very very slow on announcing the six agains in both those circumstances. And, and even the referee calling them out in defense, like they were offside. Like I, I'm thinking either they're ignoring the referee or they legit can't hear him because it was just for for the Reed Marnie kick that went dead. He was uh, very slow announcing the six again. Uh, yeah, that was for, a late one. Uh, like Marnie was sort of running to the line by the time he caught the six again, and, and sort of he had to take his chance on whether he thought it would be announced the six again or not. And we've had some bad luck of that in the past in terms of fairly obvious six agains on kick deflections not getting called. So I don't blame Reed for taking the kick. He did mis-execute it a little bit though, so that's fine. Uh, but the other thing that came out of Saturday night, uh, we mentioned that Zai Papaliti moved into the starting team to replace Ryan Madison. That left the place on the bench, and uh, we speculated about it on the podcast. So kudos to all of us. Uh, we did a good job there. But we uh, except for Birdie. It, well, no. To be fair to Birdie, he went all in on on the wild card option. So I, I respect that. <laughs> but uh, we we did call it, and that was the debut of Wiramu Greg. Sorry, Greg. Uh, who came off the bench for the Eels in uh, a rare – I mean, 13 minutes isn't a lot of playing time for most players, but in the Brad Arthur echelon or, or school of coaching, um, that is a lot of a lot of minutes for a rookie forward. And he did pretty well. Five runs, 53 metres. Uh, he backed up a Reed Marnie line break and scooped up the batted ball, um, showing plenty of uh, legs and athleticism there. He was, um, he was puffing a little bit throughout the stint, but he, on top of those five runs and, and 53 tackles, he did get through, if I can just pull it up quickly, uh, 10 tackles if nothing missed or ineffective. So he did his job admirably off the bench. And you sort of you look at that that raw athleticism and potential, and that was a pretty solid debut. Yeah, well, just going back on your uh, Brad Arthur debuting forwards, you know, you look at some of them. Stefano came on for 10 seconds. <laughs> at the end of that Newcastle game, game, yeah. Um, and then, who, then broke the COVID uh, bubble. <laughs> Uh, Oregon Kafusi only got a couple of minutes from memory. Yep. Uh, Marata, again, a few minutes. Who um, else we got there? Andrew Davey. How did he go in his opening game? Oh, my goodness. Oh, whatever. I, I, feel, like, I feel like they trusted Davey with more minutes than usual because he was an exceptionally unique rookie in that he was, you know, 28 years old, played a stack of footy. He actually got about 15 minutes, if I've caught correctly. Yeah, so, you know, it's really out of the ordinary for BA to pick uh, Wiramu for Two, not only once, two stints yeah. for 13 minutes. And as you said, it might not – it's in the grand in the grand scheme of things, it's not many minutes. But I, I thought he actually was quite – he was heavily involved in that in the time that he was on the yeah. field. And great, great um, involvement rate. Fastest play of the ball speed amongst uh, all plays for the Eels on Saturday night, 2.49 seconds, which is if you're the big impact forward, that's what you've got to do. You steam into the defensive line, you get the fast play of the ball, you set up your playmakers. Yeah, and, you know, this might be – this might be going a little bit too far, and you know, we love a bold prediction here. I'm not. Gonna, it's it's not really a prediction, more just a, an observation. But I've noticed a few people saying, "Oh, you know, when he loses some kilos and um gets fitter." Yes, I, I believe he get fitter, but I think he's that's just the way his body composition yeah. is. Maybe he could like shed a kilo or two, but he's. I, I feel like his body shape's not terrible. Like no, he's one ninety two, no. one one ninety two centimeters, one twenty four kilos, not one ninety four. Uh, well, 92 kg your kgs and 124 centimeters. But yeah, that, he'd probably need to drop. A few he'd probably need to drop a few kegs there. But, um, but yeah, he's he, just gonna. Is this gonna say? Uh, rem, he reminds me of a bit of a uh, Parramatta warhorse, Nathan Hindmarsh. Just that weird body shape. He's got sort of a belly. He's got no bum. His legs are a bit chicken legsy. Um, and just the way he plays, like it's, it reminds me of a later Nathan Hindmarsh where. You know, he looks absolutely stuffed, but he'll get through a ton of work while doing it. And that was apparent from his couple of hit-outs for the New South Wales Cup for us, where 
you could see he was playing 50-ish minutes and he was sucking a minute at some points, but he always kept himself involved in the play. He wasn't dropping out and dropping his head and turning his back. So, yeah, I think that's maybe just sort of – I'm not, look, I'm not saying that we're a Moo Greg will be Nathan Hindmarsh or have even half the career that Nathan Hindmarsh had. I just think that his body composition and the way he plays the game reminds me of a late career uh, Nathan Hindmarsh there. Mm-hmm. And uh, a couple other bits and pieces – uh, Keegan Hipgrave remains undefeated on the season for the Eels across reserve grade and NRL. So well done, Keegs. Uh, he got his uh, most minutes in a game so far this year is 20, and he was pretty productive. He had uh, eight runs for 77 metres and 16 tackles, two missed. So did his job just fine. Um, and the other one that's probably worth mentioning is that the script got flipped for Bryce Cartwright on Saturday after a massive uh, stint against the Dragons where he probably overplayed his hand a bit. Uh, he only got five minutes on the weekend. So I sort of joked about it in my uh, team blog, um, team list blog today on TCT, but uh, I think it might be a case of Goldilocks or third time's a charm for Bryce where he got too many minutes in the first game, too little in the second, and maybe he'll be just right third time out. It is definitely possible, you know, it'll be discussed later on the podcast, but sort of the bench, I think it opens up probably 20, 20 or so minutes, I think it'd be right for Bryce. I agree. Um, the Bryce is right. Uh, <laughs> That's another good one. Yep. I like that. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, file, file that uh, one, boy. son. <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, um, uh, he got on the field. He didn't try and, you know, Parramatta were, tw- were 25 points up at, by that stage, weren't we? Uh, he got on when the, uh, it was either the last. Oh, tri- no, he was 19 because he was, yeah. uh, the Gutho tried to had to be scored. That's right. So yeah, we were 19 points up. He'd come on. And yet that's what I think we wanted from his first game where <laughs> I agree that we, we, we got the script wrong a little bit in that regard. That is exactly how I see it too, Ham. Yeah, whereas like, you know, this one, you know, even if we brought him on a little bit earlier and he could have sort of maybe tried to overplay or not overplay his hand, but sort of show more of his hand like he did in the Dragons. But you know, I I think it was the right game for Bryce. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. And I'll be interested to see how he is deployed this week on Friday night, but we'll get to that, like you said, later in the podcast. Any other closing comments for this one, boys? Um, Canberra don't know how to deal with traffic. <laughs> That's it. I caught the bus, the free bus, which is very good. Don't get me wrong, I love uh, free public transport. Um, but I left an hour before the game was supposed to kick off. I don't think Canberra are used to that sort of amount of cars on the road. That's it. Like, it took an hour to drive 20 minutes, which is – that's Sydney traffic. That's ridiculous. So, <laughs> Canberra, pick up your game. <laughs> Although we did have a good Canberra fan on the way back on the bus, and he was saying that um, he was going to go party because Canberra season's over, and he said, as one car drove past, he goes, oh, well, one car's in Canberra, so it's going to be a big night for us Canberrians. <laughs> All righty. So, Ham was there live soaking up the atmosphere and um, getting amongst the oh, locals. Oh, yeah, and we did the Viking clap about five times. <laughs> so, oh, And also, I just want to say, like, to the Canberra fans, you're not listening. Um, if you are, why? Uh, but, you know, <laughs> if you do something like the Viking clap, you've got to expect people to put, to put yeah. shit on it. Like You take the good with the bad of stuff. Clap, and I saw a beer can get flung from someone um, into the supporter section. Like, yes, it is annoying. Yes, it's kicking someone while they're down. Yes, it's adding salt to, uh, insult to injury. But just take it on the, take it on the chin. I, I agree because it's obviously a cool thing for the for the Vikings, for the Raiders to have that they did appropriate for another sporting club, but that's not an issue. But like you said, Ham, if you're going to do it, you've got to accept that teams are also going to taunt you with it. And that's that's the part of the fun of sports. Anyway, um, on that uh, uh, incendiary note, I suppose, for any Raiders fans listening to our podcast, 
Um, the win lifts the Eels into third place on the ladder. Uh, sec- uh, they sort of, oh sorry, third place, second place on the ladder alongside just the Rabbitohs now as the, uh, the sort of the front pack from the Peloton starts to break away. It could have been an equal share of first if the Broncos had got the job done on Friday. They actually uh, pushed the Penrith Panthers way more than I would have given them credit for, and it sets up an intriguing clash for us on Friday against the Broncos. But yeah, so we're just trailing the Panthers by the one win and uh, trailing the Rabbitohs on a for and against differential of 16 points. Um, otherwise, the Eels uh, are ahead of the Storm, the Roosters, the Dragons, the Titans, and the Warriors inside the eight, and no one cares about the losers behind them. So let's move on to the NRL news. There's a few points of interest for the Eels this week. Starting with the injury report that we uh, teased before, um, the Eels have finally put a time frame on the return of Wanga Blake, who's been out indefinitely for calf injury. Uh, when it happened in round two, or in the lead-up to round two, Brad Arthur did initially indicate that it would have been a uh, return in four to six weeks. Uh, instead, now the club has finally put him down, scheduled to return in rounds nine or ten, and I dare say that the club has taken extra precautions on Wanga's recovery there based on what happened to Mitchell Moses last year in 2020, where his calf injury lingered and created a lot of issues for him throughout the course of that season. Any comments there for you, boys? You're looking forward to seeing Wanga back in a few rounds? Uh, I am. I think that, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Murata in the centres, and yes, he has been very good. Um and I also don't think he's done a bad job. I thought a lot of people, including myself, thought he would be a bit outclassed, a bit outpaced. But outside of that one time, I, you know, I don't think he has. But I just think having Wunga there is he's a bit, he is a bit classier than um, Murata. And I think the team and the club would be a lot better with Murata back in the. Well, that's the big that's the big thing is that getting Murata back into the rotation really solidifies Parramatta's claim as probably the forward pack in the NRL. Yeah, not only that, like Murata's hit ups at centre. Yeah, it, 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 it's another forward coming out of the back paddock, but I just think that there's nothing there that the halves can work with sort of thing, if, if you catch my drift. Like, with with Wanga, he's a specialist centre, and while his carries might not be as strong, I just think he'll be able to add that little bit of extra class in attack. And I actually don't think he'll be as bad defensive. I, th- I think the switch with um, Dylan Brown on that side, I think he's a bit of a sh- bit more stronger defender than uh, Mitchell Moses there. So Oh, definitely. And... Uh, from memory, well, we, when he played round one, Wanga, uh, the Broncos had more opportunities out on the left side rather than the right side. So, um, small sample size. So, but we'll just have to see. So, you can't take any risks with calf injuries. So, but so it's good to uh, have a definite return. I mean, you got to look at it like this, right? Um, Wanga Blake, you have to have him in the study. He's not going to bring impact off the bench, but you have Murata and then you have Papali'i off the bench, and you know. That's two great plays off the bench, and you just got to think like um, think the big bigger picture here. Like Murata's keys, uh, the best part of his game is his running game, and if you get him on against tied forwards, you know, like with Marnie, with Marnie there, um, taking advantage of those uh, opposition being slow. Like I think a great one-two punch combo off the bench and Papali and Murata's um, too good to uh, pass up on, you know, or you know, ignore. The the idea of full strength Eels outfit is definitely salivate or salivation worthy, so still waiting on it and uh but they're doing the job in the meantime and i know that other teams have had worse injury runs but the eels have definitely done well with what they've had to deal with in terms of madison and wanga blake and a few other bits and pieces here and there um speaking of bits and pieces ray stone remains on schedule for around nine or ten to recover from his shoulder injury if i recall cor- uh, correctly yeah shoulder injury yeah, shoulder. Uh, and ryan madison is officially cleared to return per the injury report so he'll be um, not playing in first grade or at least he's not announced in first grade so we'll get to that later um, the other pertinent bit of Parramatta news is rumour-based at the moment, but uh, per some uh, New Zealand fans on their forums and per the mole, 
Uh, the Eels are apparently signing Hayes Perham effective immediately uh, for this year, obviously. Uh, and if you recall correctly, Hayes actually joined the Eels a couple of weeks back when we played the Western Suburbs Magpies in the New South Wales Cup as a, a sort of a loan to get match fitness into his legs for the Warriors alongside Tom A or Tom Arley and uh, then rejoin the Warriors. And obviously he had a, an enjoy, <laughs> a very uh, happy and, and uh, fun stint in that week for the Eels because he apparently is joining us now. So uh, Hayes, on top of giving the Eels two Hayes, how, how many times have you ever seen that? Uh, but he's spelled with a Y, H-A-Y-Z-E versus H-A-Z-E for Hayes Dunster. Uh, gives the Eels another utility weapon in the back line. He's capable of playing 5-8 centre uh, wing. And he also played fullback for us in the New South Wales Cup. So uh, gives us a few options in the back line and seems to be a pretty handy player per the response from Warriors fans I've seen. Well, yeah, he would have um, says he was born in 99. So actually he's around that same age as Papali'i. So they would have come through together. So um, yeah, another good one to pick up from the Warriors. I just wonder where he would play. In our team, yeah. You know, <laughs> Looking that 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 Reggie's backline's been pretty solid throughout the course of the season. Uh, I don't know. I, I legitimately don't know. Uh, do you you don't pump you don't bump Will Penasini? Surely um, he's you know going from well, strength to strength. You might not. You say bump him. Maybe he gets bumped up. Also, I mean, or maybe Hayes comes up. I don't know. Maybe Hayes, given that he's played, I think uh, nine or twelve NRL games across the last couple of years. Um, one of the two might actually, like you said, Ham feature from round eight onwards, and then that gives you a, a couple of weeks before uh, Wonga's scheduled return, and even then you can take it even longer if you're worried about any relapses for the calf with either of those two featuring. Yeah, that, that actually is a very good point. It sort of does indicate a potential NRL promotion for at least one player. Bertie, you got any takes on um, Hayes Perrin? I don't have much like you know, background info on him besides that uh, that game we saw him against the Magpies, I believe. Yes, correct. Yeah. Yeah, he um like uh, the only difference I saw he seemed to be a bit quicker or he knows the position more than Sean Russell because um Russell seemed a bit out of there defensively and he had a couple of errors in him. But yeah, Russell that, uh, Russell had a rough game against Magpies and when Hayes came on it did straighten up the attack a bit. And to be yeah. fair, to be fair to Sean, I felt like he had a well, not, it didn't feel like he had a, a huge bounce back game against the Dragons where he really found his feet in the grade. And unfortunately, we didn't get to see the game against the Raiders, but he. Uh, was part of a team that barely got knocked over by a home team that had plenty of NRL talent. So it's it's a I mean, much like the Papali'i Madison conundrum. It's a great problem to have. You you know we, we needed to fill these spots in the top thirty, and we're we're getting guys that can be contributors and also help the you know other young guys in reserve grade. I mean, you got to look at our winning side. Like we're not like I view it not as a, a New South Wales Cup team, more like a a Jersey flag team because look at all the youngsters we have. Yeah, very young and team. Not only that, the NRL experience. Like you're talking. Jordan Rankin, who hasn't played NRL for a few years, right? Uh, Bryce Cartwright played one game. Like, I'm talking, like, this This is a very, very inexperienced and young uh, team just by looking at it. And, you know, you can give them a couple of times where they can sort of get the, the jitters, you know? Like, that game against Magpies, he had BJ Lelua. Like, we had some stupid, nuffy Tigers fans saying he's the best center in the league when they signed him. Like, you had him there. You had, um, who else did they have? They had, oh, they had a, like, that team was stacked. That Russell Packer. Like, there's a difference between... Uh, a red, like a, a New South Wales Cup team and like so a part-time we're like a part-time because if you look at the youngsters like Jacob Arthur for God's sake like he seems to be doing well and the kid can play what SG Ball still like that's two levels below isn't it or three levels below isn't it yeah and, two uh, yeah two so like I, and when people say oh Chuck Will Pinacini in like mate just take it easy a bit like yeah it, like, take it easy <laughs> no but like there's other fans there because they see Senna oh he's our next like he's the next off the off, next cab off the rank but you gotta look at it 
like Dunster, we've been, you know, he's been touted around the team, you know, for the past two, three years. Like he's been like the 18th, 19th man. He finally got his debut and like he can't crack it. Like you got to sit and wait and you just got, like Siva, he didn't debut to his 25. Just take your time. There's no need to rush them because the, 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 the more you rush them, the more likely they're going to burn out, turn out to be a Jacob Loco. And unfortunately, Loco had to be like the next big thing. He fizzled out before he was like 25. Yeah, the, the, loco, the loco story had a lot of issues where uh, our development path was nowhere near as uh, well thought out and as, as supportive yeah. as it was now or is now. On top of, you know, Jacob obviously having some issues off the field that led to him being driven out of the game. But yeah, it, it's a, it's a right sentiment though. It's a right sentiment. SG ball to Toyota Cup to first grade in one year. Yeah, like exactly. People think it all. Pedersini can do it. No. No. Just relax. There's a, diff- there's a reason why. There's, that, there's like an well, age cap you know, on players. And the, the, the player I always point to for this, Birdie, is your big man crush, Murata. The Eels, yeah. the, obviously the Eels, he's not a Parramatta junior, but the Eels got him out of the 20s from New Zealand and then let him slow burn in reserve grade and hone his game. And he came into the NRL that much a better player for it. And now, you know, he's a borderline superstar. You know, the guy is absolutely killing it out there for Parramatta and has for the last couple of seasons. So, yeah, I, I do think that sentiment is 100% bang on. And um, I think that wraps up the news for us, boys. There wasn't anything else that I I chatted to you folks before the podcast, was there? Nah. All right. Well, it's just, it's just other team news, but that's it, really. Yeah, and I don't think there's even any big NRL news. Um, oh, uh, I think uh, Townsend went to Cowboys. Yeah, just- Chad Townsend, three years, two million dollars at the Cowboys. Uh, so I don't know if that means they can still chase Luke Brooks, but uh, between the Chad and I the, bloody hope so. Between, <laughs> but but between <laughs> the Chad halves pairing between Ooh. the Chad and the farm, I think they made the better option. I don't know if the farm uh, the Chad is the best option, but um, it leaves Adam Reynolds still without a club, and he's being linked strongly to Cronulla. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there with uh, Craig Fitzgibbon and his recruitment drivers. He. It's musical chairs at the moment with these halves. It reminds me of um, when we got Wonga. All those centers just wait. Oh no, sorry, Michael Jennings. Like they yeah, had yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there was a, a a big switch of centers, and yeah, there is a lot of uh, halves transferring to be done this year. So that's something to keep track of uh, for the Parramatta Eels. The media are trying to stir up some controversy in regards to Mitchell Moses, who has a player option in his favor, uh, which has to be activated by round ten, right, Birdie? That was what they said in the yeah, round three sixty. But. Uh, but but for everything we've seen in the past, and I think James Hooper alluded to it on the show as well, the Eels are all in on Mitch, and um, he, you know, he obviously loves the place. So I'd be, you know, if he takes up his option, or they get a deal done, and in either way, the Eels be, you know, looking with Mitch to be the guy with Jake Arthur, the succession plan down the road. So plenty of water to go under that bridge anyway. So that gives us the new section done, and on to the previews, which starts in the junior representatives. Thankfully, so we'll get over there. Sorry, I'm just going to open up tabs. Oh, no, we, we didn't do all our reviews quickly, but I'm sorry. That was my fault. Uh, Jersey Flegg fell to the uh, Manly Seagulls on the weekend, 28-14, out of Brookvale uh, for the Eels. Peter Tatio made his flag debut and scored the opening try for Parramatta alongside Matthew Comalafi and Ollie Clements. Kyle Schneider just won from free off the boot. Uh, Clements also got sin-binned, apparently. Um, the Eels were leading 10-4 at halftime, but got gunned down in the second half. So that drops them outside the six, if I remember for a call correctly. Uh, I think it's number seven on the ladder. Yeah, number seven on the ladder, so... Uh, four points, one win, and and one buy. But the uh, top six ahead of them is uh, not exactly super flash. There's uh, uh, one win, two wins, two wins, three wins, three wins, three wins. So still uh, plenty of action for them to get into the top six. No dramas there yet. And in the uh, reserve grade, we, we mentioned the result, but the Eels uh, went down 30-22 to 22 against a, a very stacked Canberra Raiders team in Canberra. Corey Howard and Aira got a double for the home team alongside Derby Medlin, Matt Frawley, and Brad Schneider. And Schneider also went 5 from 5 off the tee for the Eels. A lot of the young guys getting on the action. Hayes Dunster got a double off Solomon Inaiduki and Jacob Arthur scoring. 
Rankin went three from four off the kicking D. So a pretty good result, all things considering. And, and those sort of narrow losses, I'm never upset about, given like what Bertie said earlier. This team is so young, it's a borderline jersey flag lineup. Well, put it this way, do you reckon if um, the play, the people that were eligible for SG Ball, if they were playing SG Ball, we would be like the, the undefeated favourite? Yeah, sort of? we, like, if, if we put our full-strength SG Ball team together, it would actually not be fair. It wouldn't be a... It wouldn't be a competition. No, the, the the Eels have a one of the mo- could have had one of the most loaded SG Ball classes in a long time if they were serious about uh, winning the SG Ball. But obviously, getting these guys first grade ready is far more important, which is why so many of them playing either flag or jersey uh, or New South Wales Cup. Sorry, so that win. Sorry, had the swallow. That win sees the Eels drop out of the top four. They slide back the fifth with the Raiders leapfrogging them. But uh, much like the uh, flag, plenty of uh, game game time and games to go in that competition. Um, so no need to be panicked there, especially given how strong their results have been across the last few weeks. They've been highly competitive against some solid lineups. And that is the end of the reviews and the news. I managed to only half butcher that, boys. Now we can get into previews. Starting with the Harold Matthews. Um, the Eels, who finished second in the regular season, got the week one bye in the new top six format. They now have a play into the grand final, and they'll be hosting the Penrith Panthers, so a Western Sydney derby there. And this is out at HE Laybutt Field out of Blacktown. Is that right, Ham? That's correct. Yeah. And kick Blacktown off. Workers uh, uh, Ground. I, used to play, I played there a couple of times. There you go. Birdie charming in with the, the local knowledge. There you go. It's yeah. it's the different – because it'll be at the new grounds now because they used to have the old grounds, which would be turned into an apartment. We'll, we'll have to get you out there for a pitch report on, say, that, Birdie. You can um, give us yeah, all, I don't know all the about that. Isn't that Isn't that um, – Manic Sea Eagles, like, reserve territory sort of thing? It, like, well, when, they were, when they were affiliated, are they still affiliated with Blacktown? Yep. Yeah, so, yeah, they probably play out of there. Uh, is that the game where the trial was that one year? The field where that trial was against? No, or, that was uh, St. Paddy's Blacktown. That was St. Paddy's Blacktown, yeah, okay. Um, okay, so the Eagles look like this with uh, Patrick Spence at fullback with Siliasi Aho and Josh Lialaoloto on the wings. Charlie Geimer and Declan Murray. So that's, if you've been following the podcast and playing along, that is the first choice backline that has been there for most of the year. A very good and well-balanced backline. Uh, Blaze Talungi will get the start at 5'8", after impressing a couple of weeks ago. Ethan Sanders is the halfback. Uh, front row of Sam Tuovati, Yeya Ayachi, and Orfag Mino. So once again, a full-strength front row there for the Eels. Dom Destratus finally reclaims the starting back row spot from his twin brother, Raf, and he'll be there alongside Saxon Pryke and Miles Martin. On the bench, Big Jacob John, Joshua Alzahim, Raf Destratus, and Genesis Talangi Suwala are back. Genesis has been out for a while, so he gets the call-up in the most important game of the season to date, and Tyrese Lakenny is the 18th man. This is going to be a, a tough game. Penrith always get up for us in this grade. They're always a very strong outfit. How do you see this one, Ham? We, did we play Penrith in the preseason? I can't remember. Yeah, we did. We ran out of eventual winners, um, but from memory, it was a very tight game early on. Mm-hmm. And that, so, that, that's how I see this one going in too. Penrith are always very good in this grade. And, you know, the Eels coming off a, a bye. We, I think we did speak about this, but I'm not sure what the make of a bye in the junior reps. Uh, it feels like in the reps, you're playing nine regulation rounds into the finals. You want to be playing week to week and riding that momentum. And the, the bye could be as counterproductive as it is productive for Parramatta. Also, just, you know, on the other hand there, um, a week for these young guys might be a little bit better. They can uh, work on a few new things, um, rest the bodies, which you don't really get given they only have three training days a week, I believe. I think it's three, yeah. And one of them's a captain's run, so it's only really two. Two. So, you know, just that extra couple of days recovery. Um, but I know exactly what you mean. You want to be, well, especially 16, 17 years old, you want to be out there playing um, from memory, we had a buy in round three. 
Uh, round, round three sounds right, yeah. Yeah, and they just, from there, they never looked back. They've just been dominant, unstoppable um, in this grade. So, you know, looking at that, I think, um, in my view, I think the the buy going into the game helps them a little bit um, just to work on those few things and rest the body. And, well, from memory, um, leading into that first buy, we were sort of not questioning but sort of slightly criticising um, Ethan Sanders' kicking game. Yes. And then straight after that buy, I think he's he's put it all together. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. He definitely uh, figured it out out of that buy and has been outstanding with the one kicking game now. So, you know, I think, you know, very strong team. Uh, probably the best 17 they've named all year. I, I agree. The, probably the only caveat there is that Terence Lafayette looks to be injured or suspended maybe. He's out of action, not in the 17, but, but Blaze telling he's been outstanding. He's and been – He honestly – He's actually been my – I didn't really know much about him before the season, so he was so, an unknown. But coming into this grade, he's a year young. You know, he's he's killed it whenever, whenever yeah. he's been on the field. And so Looking looking at him, because he is tall. He's not like overly built, but he is quite tall. I was shocked to hear that he is a year young. So he is doing a phenomenal job, and I really look forward to his development – and uh, alongside that, uh, the Manly Seagulls, who finished first, will be hosting the Western Suburbs Magpies. Um, where did the Magpies finish on that ladder? Fourth. Fourth. Yeah, fourth, yeah. Did the Eels play the Magpies? They, yes. They did. Down yeah. at, um, it was a tough game, yeah, out, out of Campbelltown. Uh, Camden. Oh, Camden, sorry, yeah, Camden, Campbelltown. That, and that was a tough game, but they uh, ended up winning about 28-14, to 14, I think, off the top of my head. But, yeah, that, that action kicks off at 11 o'clock. Um, we'll be out there. I should be live blogging this game on TCT. I'm not sure if this game streamed ham. Um, the New South Wales Week has streamed these games in the past, but that's been when they've been out of Leichhardt. So I don't know if they've got the resources set up out that far. Um, and I haven't seen any notifications on New South Wales Rugby Week. It was 22-14, by the way. The Eels beat them in round five. Okay, so the action there will be covered on TCT. And that takes us to the senior grades now with the doubleheader out at Ringrose Park. Starting at 2.30pm, Eels hosting the Rabbitohs in the jersey flag. Uh, Eels look like this with Tyrone Harding at fullback, Matthew Komalafi and Marley J. Townsend on the wings, Pennyoni Tohi and Jaden Skinner in the centres, Clayton Farr-Lolo and Nicholas Tilburg in the halves. Dave Hollis drops back from New South Wales Cup to get some more game time in the flag, and he'll be partnering Jack Colavati on either side of Kyle Schneider. Sorry, In the back row, you've got Oliver Clements, Matthew Dragasic and Jaden Yates. On the bench, Ethan LeBlanc, Jonte Jr. Beffen Mesa, the big hyphen getting promoted from the SG Ball, Lennox Whitaker, and Peter Teteo holds his spot after getting his uh, jersey flag debut last week. They're taking on the South Sydney Rabbitohs, and if I just pull up my ladder quickly here, the Rabbitohs are just ahead of the Eels by one win on the ladder. So a fairly evenly placed team once again for the Eels, and a chance to make some ground on the top six with a, a strong result on the weekend. Uh, how do you see this one, Ham? Um, hard to say. I've yeah, we, we, that, 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 it feels like that's a, a, the story for a lot of the Jersey flag at the moment is that we just haven't seen enough footage. Yeah. Um, you know, judging by their opposition, uh, the names I recognize on that side, uh, Benjamin Lovett comes from... Kyle Lovett family? No, no, no. He no. comes from out west because he trialed with Parramatta a few years back. And no um, relation to Kyle Lovett. Could very well be. I've just like, I feel like Lovett's not that common of a surname, but then again, you never know if your stuff... And their dummy half, Peter. Sorry, Peter. I'm going to butcher your last name here. Mamozelos. Yeah. Um, carved us up a few years back in SG Ball. So um, nice, uh, neat little dummy half there. So again, hard to say. But they're you know teams sort of look even. Um, Paramount have Tyrone Harding come back. Uh, yeah, the I'm Slim sure Reapers back. Last week. Uh, that's a good question. I I'll give you one second. Draw. 
We'll do it live. Uh, Jersey flag. Eels versus Manly. Team sheet. Uh, he did play last week. Yeah, he came in late. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so. Um, so, yeah, hard to say. Hope for a win. Um, unfortunately, I won't be able to get out there. Probably, uh, oh, you can't get out there. What's happening? Uh, mate's 30th birthday. Jeez, imagine imagine picking a friend's birthday over the footy. Wow. Uh, he's got to change his birthday. I've told him. <laughs> um, probably he's got to have it not in footy season like mine. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, one thing worth mentioning, uh, Dave Holtz obviously coming back. Um, Caleb Tohey is absent from the lineup, so I'm not sure if he's injured or suspended uh, or outright dropped, which seems unlikely given that Caleb's a very handy young player. He had a concussion. He came off with HIA uh, in the game previously, and I saw a photo on social media where he had stitches in his head. So There you go. Um, most most likely. And we know that Eels take concussion very seriously, thankfully, so doing the right thing by a young talent there. Caleb will be back and better for it. So, as I mentioned, this is the first game of a doubleheader out at Ringrose, both games against the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Uh, in the New South Wales Cup, the Eels hosting the 8th place Rabbitohs, Parramatta being uh, 5th place in their possession entering this game. And uh, It's a good-looking team, as it has been for the last couple of games. Sean Russell at fullback, uh, Solomon Naiduki and Hayes Dunster on the flanks, Will Penasini and Michael Oldfield in the centres, Jordan Rankin and Jacob Alpha forming that unchanged 1-7 to that's been there for the last couple of weeks. Uh, in the front row, though, there's a change. Kai Rodwell starts at prop alongside Makahesi Makatoa with Joey Lussick at number nine. Uh, Ellie Elzegahem is one of the edge back rowers with Ryan Madison, the other starting back rower for the Eels. Uh, Keegan Hipgrave drops back from reserve, uh, from full, the first grade, sorry, from full-time first grade to uh, play lock in Reggie's. On the bench, Nathaniel Roach is the utility dummy half. Atasi James and Sharpel Tassapali are the pair of flag players that are getting the promotion who were there last week as well, to be fair, but holding their place. And uh, Lala Toa Mata'afa is the final player. There is no 18th man listed. Um, I suppose it remains to be seen that if there is anything to Hayes Perham chatter, he might be rushed into this team for maybe Lala Toa Mata'afa, who was a utility back on the bench here. Very much potentially. Yeah, so if Perham does join the Eels this week, and I don't know if there's COVID protocols he's got to go through and whatnot, assuming that this is true, of course, but based on the Warriors forums and both the mole, there's probably enough reason to believe that there might be something to it. Yeah, and they're taking on, <clears throat> sorry, frog on my throat, the uh, eighth-place Rabbitohs. who have got a bit of NRL talent in there. Jacob Gagai played for the Sharks and the Knights. Uh, also a former Eel. Speaking of former Eels, Troy Dargan is captain. Tao Tao Monga, Tane Milne, uh, Patrick Margo. I was uh, going to say the forward pack is where... Hamasele, Jacob Host, James Hassan. There's a blast from the past for Parramatta and Manly fans. Um, is uh, Josh Cook any relation to Damien? I believe he's the younger brother or younger cousin. Did he... Uh, did he do uh what's it called flag beach sprinting <laughs> beach sprinting <and> flag. <laughs> possibly possibly but um yeah I think it, you know another good game I think the forward packs will be it'll be a good game to watch I reckon for in terms of reserve I think both packs quite strong there with some first grade talent and uh, uh no not to disrespect the man but Buddy Gordon Yulene Gordon on the bench for South Sydney he also spent a season at the Eels slash Wenty a couple of years back. Um, now, pending my ability to uh, source a power outlet at Wenty, I'll be covering the sorry covering these two games, but I'm obligated to do updates for the Harold Matthews, so that's my priority for laptop power. Uh, but yeah, if I can secure a laptop out, a, a PowerPoint out, I will be doing live updates to both these games on the so Copeland Fro. Go into Wendy Leagues for 20 minutes. And just zum zap it up, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think I think myself and Sixties are talking about maybe squeezing in a lunch, but I'm not sure. 11 o'clock at Blacktown to- You'll fit it easy. To it's 10 minutes up the road. There you go. So uh, I'm going to Wendy Leagues for a, a good feed. You jump down on the Great Western Highway, you're there. 
Um, but yeah, you know, another good uh, test for these young fellas in um, yeah, in, uh, New like South Wales. You know, Cup, much like the game against, against Tauto Moga or Tane Milne, um, both talented. Yeah, we'll, Tauto, we'll continue uh, that murderer's role of reserve grade centres, seriously. Yeah. Um, Jacob up against former uh, prodigious eel Troy Dargan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I didn't mind Troy while he was at the Eels. Yeah, we both had a soft spot for Troy. Yeah, he, he's got the full repertoire in terms of the the run pass kick, but you know some <clears throat> defensive lapses and whatnot sort of kept him out of the first grade at Parramatta. But evidently Wayne Bennett's got a soft spot for him because he he recruited in the Brisbane, he brought him down to South Sydney, and um and now he's captain in the reserve grade team. So he's he's made something for himself. So well done to Troy. So yeah, I think it'll be a good game. And if you don't have your mate's thirtieth birthday, I think you should get out there. <laughs> yeah, uh, ham dog and the boys. You hate to see it. <laughs> But yes, like I said, get updates for hopefully both these games on the Cumberland Throw, and if not, there'll be uh, reviews uh, in terms of podcast uh, on the tip sheet and here. And that is all the lower grade action or pre-action wrapped up, taking us to the main event. Parramatta's first Friday night game at Darwin, uh, traditionally being a Saturday night game against a, a variety of teams up there. We've played the Panthers, the Titans, the Raiders, and the Cowboys, um, and it's always been on a Saturday night. But uh, going there prime time Friday night, and maybe the opposition's got something to do with it. The Friday night Broncos uh, meet in the Eels there at seven fifty-five PM, and uh, obviously these two teams met in round one when the Broncos raced out to a sixteen-point lead before getting absolutely gunned down twenty-four to sixteen, conceding that twenty-four unanswered points as the Parramatta Eels actually woke up in the second half. Uh, Eels from there have gone from strength to strength, obviously, uh, second on the ladder, and uh, looking pretty sharp after signature wins against the Melbourne Storm and the uh, Canberra Raiders on the weekend. But the Broncos haven't um, done too bad by themselves. So there was a point where it looked like they are going to fall into a heap, but the last couple of weeks they've been a lot more competitive, and that sort of came to a head last week where they went into the Friday night primetime game in Brisbane against the Penrith Panthers, and I, I, I thought that a 30-point start wouldn't have been enough for the Brisbane Broncos, and instead they played out a 20-12 to 12 loss in which they could have won that game. They, they oh, were yeah, right, right, in the mix of, uh, right in the mix, right in the thick of it. Uh, they, they took it to the Penrith Panthers, and the Panthers weren't ready for it. And No, and I think the uh, Panthers potentially in a bit of hot water there. I mean, the NRL won't look at it, but it was – Cleary looks concussed, and he eventually scored the eight yes. points, which won the game. Yeah. So. Uh, and, um, uh, and you know, in that game, you did get one of the, you know, sort of the monthly Tavita Pangai masterclasses where he was, you know, completely oh. switched on and, and just as devastating as he can be. And one of the most frustrating things about Pangai is that he could be the, one of the best players in the competition, but is inconsistent. But, you know, across the park, Asako played a great game. They didn't get Xavier Coates to involve because they didn't need to. Uh, Dearden and Croft uh, played a very solid game in the six and seven. And, and this sort of leads me to the point that the Eels, based on what they saw in round one, where they let the Broncos get out to a 16-point lead, and based on what they saw last week when they're doing the, the tape preview for this game, they're not going to come to this game taking the Broncos lightly at all, I feel like. No, you can't because, you know, even the, the Broncos, they've, only, they've scored the second least amount of points this year, but it seems like they're on a bit of an upward trajectory based on last week, um, taking it right to the Panthers. Um, and so, you know... I was going to yeah. say, Kevy delivered the mother of all pregame speeches to fire him up. So it'll be interesting to see what his approach is this week because the we know is, you only get one. That's right. That that or sort of coaching style is is not sustainable. You can't just give your boys a, a Hollywood rev up or spray every game and every halftime. It, it loses its value every time you do it. And so to take on the Broncos that look like this uh, with Jermaine Asako fullback, uh, Xavier Coates and Corey Oates on the wing. Oates getting a, a call up last week. Uh, finally back in first grade, and he did his usual choreoed stuff, a couple of drops. Uh, the Professor Herbie Farmworth is back in the centres alongside David Mead. Croft and Dearden retain their uh, combo on the halves, which isn't surprising. 
Uh, Milford dropped last week and those two stepped up in his absence. In the front row, you've got Matthew Lodge, Jake Turpin and Big Payne Haas. He was absent for us in round one or against us in round one, sorry. So obviously a massive inclusion uh, for the Broncos. Uh, captain the team from the back row was Alex Glenn alongside Tavita Pango Jr. and Patrick Carrigan at lock. On the bench, the, the bastards. <coughs> sorry. <coughs> the bloody Broncos go out and sign this bloke this week and rush him into the freaking team because he knows they know he always has a career game against us. But Danny freaking Levi's in the 14. And uh, on the bench belong uh, alongside him, sorry, is Thomas Flegler, Ethan Bullymore, and Jordan Ricky, Reese Kennedy, Tyson Gamble, John Asiata, Jesse Alphas round out their shadow bench with Kevin Walters, the coach. But yeah, uh, a team that is actually pretty handy on paper. And if they can play the, the way they did last week, they're going to push the Eels. And the Eels, to match them, have named this team with their captain, Quinton Gufferson, a fullback, Big Mike Acevo and Blake Ferguson on the wings, Tom Opachuk and Murata Niakori in the centres, Dylan Brown's back from that one-game suspension, and his partner, Mitchell Moses, in the halves. Front row, that reads Regan Campbell-Gillard, Reed Marnie, and Junior Paulo. In the back row, you've got Sean Lane, Isaiah Papali'i, and Nathan Brown. Uh, still one of the most impressive forward packs on paper and in actual game time in the competition. you love to see that. On the bench, interesting bench. So uh, Oregon Kafusi is there, always in the number 14. I know it causes some grievances for people that like the 14 to be a utility, but Augie's locked down that 14. And then there was the furor that started on Team West Tuesday because in the 15, and still in the 15 per the actual uh, team sheet on Nero.com, is Will Penasini. And everyone's Give it like, a refresh. Oh, okay, is it refresh now? One sec. Yeah, okay, they're, fi- they're finally updated because when I actually did that, <laughs> at the start of the podcast, when I opened up all these pages still, it was still Will Penasini. And that, as I said, caused a furor. I was like, oh my God, they're, they're booing Will Penasini. What's going on? And Will obviously having a, a pretty good season in the New South Wales Cup to date, although he's still got stuff to work on. We're like, wow, that's kind of out of the blue. And so we started the conspiracy theories. Is he going to play off the bench for a few minutes? Is it going to be a pregame swap with Murata Niakori to get Will onto the starting team and Murata back to being the, the bench weapon, the bench superstar that he is? And then it turns out that, no, it was just a clerical error. They picked the wrong Will, and it's meant to be Will Smith. So. <laughs> Bloody bastards. The waste of the fucking tra- uh, trade on. Uh, <laughs> well, and that, that actually led to some uh, furious Super League and NRL fantasy uh, blogs. You know, oh, my God, Will Penasini, new cheapie of the week. And nope, <laughs> nope, it's the Smith Army knife on the bench. So Will Smith uh, holding down his spot on the, as a super utility from the interchange deals a week after being the starting 5'8". And I suppose the big news here is that Wiramu Greg holds his spot in the team after a, a very solid debut uh, with Bryce Cartwright rounding out the 17. Uh, Shadow Bench has Hayes Dunster, Jordan Rankin, Keegan Hipgrave and Ryan Madison, Brad Arthur as coach. So Maddo announced in the starting reserve grade team but on the extended 21. So if the Eels do want to push for a late game inclusion, he is available. Sorry, uh, not a late game but a late inclusion to the game. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Eels run out 1-17, to be honest. Yeah, I, you know, maybe you're flying up there. Or they're flying up there on Wednesday. I believe that's correct, yeah. I think it is. So might be a little bit too early for Matto to be ready. So they're just looking at him to get some Ks into his legs in reserve grade. But yeah. I, I agree. I think we'll run out 1-17. And um, actually, you know, it's a bit of a thrown-together bench, but I actually really like it. Well, the I, thing I with our bench is that we, we know that the starting – six in the in the forward pack play massive minutes. So you need guys that can come on and make an impact. And that's what Wiramu Greg and that's what Bryce Cartwright can do. And Oregon obviously has his own unique ro- spot in the rotation as the sort of the de facto middle guy now. But yeah, I, I actually don't mind this bench, Ham. Yeah, I think that, you know, when you're comparing it to the, uh, you know, it's going to be a tough job for the starters to, uh, against Haas and TPJ. Those two, if they're on their game, are very, very hard to handle. So, 
it's going to be huge for the starters, but I think they can, and I think that that bench will be able to roll on from there. How do you see it, Bertie? Um, I just, I, I'm, I'm a bit, I'm shocked. I'm not shocked, but I'm just, I don't know, because like we, we should beat, we should flog them, right? But you just can't with, with Payne Haas and Tavita Pangai in the team. Like they could just, as you said earlier, like they could play that. that this is the one game that could make it worth them paying 700, 800k a year. Like you just. It's all attitude with them, you know, like the first half, everyone said, this is the Anthony Milford's back, you know, he was superb kicking, his kicking game was good, it fell away the second half, but I'm just, it's 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 a banana skin game, and just because we, we should beat them easily, and it's just, I don't know, these, these Darwin games, they get me a bit uh, worried, just, they're always, these- always they're never a, um, a flogging, or... The only fucking we had was against the Cowboys. Other than that, it's always been a close game. And, but to that point, the Eels do hold a very good record in Darwin. Uh, they are yeah. In the seven years they've played there, they've actually won six games with the one loss coming in 2017 against the, uh, as Ham was talking to me in the, pre-game, in the pre-show, the uh, Jonathan Furston-inspired Cowboys who JT was pr- trying to prove that he was back from that shoulder injury, ready to play State of Origin a week or two later. And they they lit us up that one game. If I just bring up the venues quickly, sorry. But like every other game, sticks with one. Is it five or six? Five, yeah, but the, I reckon the the margins have been like less than like a try or maybe ten points. Like they've, all, I remember the yeah, one correct. game we won in the seventy eighth minute. I think Will Smith scored. I think it, or maybe it was Bevan French. I can't remember. But it was someone scored in the last minute. Like oh no, sorry, it's George Jennings. He made a big break. Like this, it's always been a close game up and down. Maybe because of the conditions, but we never have an easy game up there. And I don't know. I'm a bit. I'm on high alert for this game because if the, if the Broncos put on the shift, their forwards muscle up. I can see us, you know, struggling a bit. But yeah, just just take care of Haas and um and Tavita Pangai. That's all you got to do. Just take care of him, and then the team will just eventually beat themselves. The Broncos. The Eels do enter this game as uh, almost unbackable favourites on the uh, the betting line. A dollar eighteen to the Broncos, five dollars. But we we saw last week that it doesn't mean much. And I think you're right, but you can't take this game lightly. Um, you got to sort of try and control the game from the opening. Uh, opening few sets, you can't let the Broncos get off to another fast start because the conditions in in town, uh, Townsville in uh, Darwin are that much more punishing than in Sydney, and you'll have your energy sapped very quickly if you have to make too many uh, tackles and defense. I mean, like you gotta like just think of what we did. Just like I think this is like also positive of playing them again twice or twice in a short amount of time. Like we know what we what we stuffed up against, and uh, we know what what didn't work against them, and. It's no like like it's, it's different story if we played them in the first four weeks of the competition in the last four weeks like nothing has changed for the Broncos you know they've only had like like it's all the same so like we know um you you just can't sort of like score off every play and rush it you've got to literally go into your gears and you know work hard through the middle and then suck them in and then suck them in sorry I don't know every time I every time I say this it sounds like you know a bit of innuendo but <laughs> you know suck them in. And then spread it out wide, but yeah, just do what we did against the Canberra Raiders. Hit the short ball, keep hitting the short ball. You know, attract their um their edges, and yeah, whip it out wide. So and yeah, I suppose the the big concern for us is that the Eels have a tendency to play down to their opponents at times. Um, and also you know that means that they've played up to the Melbourne Storm and the Canberra Raiders. But yeah, this this is a game you want to see them take care of business. We say it a lot, but go up to Darwin, get your win, don't get hurt, and you know continue rolling in twenty twenty one. I mean, like Turpin. We we, we we made him tackle a lot um in round one, you know, so like just do the same thing because um yeah, look if you look back at that game, like they almost scored if it wasn't for Opacic, you know, going back. So and if he scores there it's a completely different game. So, you know, just just don't rush it. Like there's no you're not gonna win the game in the first 10, 15 minutes, you know, twenty minutes, but you get, you can lose it in the first twenty minutes. So you know, this is the ultimate like you know, we bounce back against from the Dragons game against the Raiders. Let's just see if it wasn't a fluke, you know, and let's just see whether or not 
we actually beat the Raiders or actually Raiders, you know, put in the worst performance, but and so speaking of the uh, the game on Friday and putting a sort of closing touches on our podcast, let's get to the preview or the predictions. Bertie, first try scorer, eventual result. Um, first try scorer, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Dylan Brown. I think he's going to come back and I, I could see, um, I don't know, like a short ball, similar to what Junior did to Lane, but like it hit uh, Dylan Brown behind him and yeah, usually speed and because we know um, Osaka can't defend his fullback, so... I can see him streaking away 40, 40 meter try, and uh, I think we're going to win um, twenty two ten. Um, and yeah, I think it's just it's just going to be like we'll probably get out to a twenty two nil lead, and then they'll score the last you know ten minutes, ten points. So you know, Brad will be a bit upset for not keeping them tra- uh, scoreless. But hey, if we keep them to under one try, I'll be happy. <laughs> not bad, not bad, Ham. Um, first try scorer. I'm going to go the big broken nose on the wing. I'm going the Ferguson. Be lucky Ferguson. Because I think come up against Corey Oates. Uh, Corey Oates hasn't had a good uh, hunting ground against the Eels. We've sort of targeted him a little bit, and he's, he's had the butterfinger. So I think Fergo will score that first try there. Um, the score, I've noticed that our average points scored this year is 25. The average points conceded by the Broncos is 24. So I'm going to split the line. I'm going to go Parramatta score 25 points. And then we've conceded 15. They've scored 13 on average. So I'm going to split the difference there and go the Broncos 14. I'm a stat man. There you go. How's that? Not bad, not bad. Uh, for my tip, whoo, I'm going to go Mitchell Moses to continue with the hot hand and uh, score a try to open the scoring for the Eels. And for the margin, I'll go Parramatta 28, Brisbane 8. And uh, who wants to step up to the plate and give uh, uh, the main prediction for Hamish this week? I will. All right, Ham, what do you got, Roy? Uh First try scorer, Danny Levi. Jesus Off the bench Off the bench Danny Levi FTS Okay okay I see you I see you (laughs) That's just overall Try scorer Um, Hey look He's probably a chance Of any time Try scorer Yeah he he is a great chance Of ATS against Freaking Parramatta (laughs) He is Uh, But yeah he'll score The first try For some reason Uh, They'll start him I betcha Um, And Parramatta To win (laughs) 7-6 I like it I like it Alrighty, and um, that puts the finishing touches on another episode of the Parrot Podcast. Um, one day, Maradon Iacoro will be back in the, the Ford Pack, and that will mean that Ham or Hamish can rejoin us. Um, totally not the uh, real-life uh, issues that you know he has with work at the moment. Um, going on protest on strike because of Maradon Iacoro in the centres. But until then, I hope you enjoyed the podcast with myself, Ham and Birdie. We'll catch you guys on the other side. Cheers later. Yeah, later. Go the Eels. Awesome.